Welcome uh, to another episode of Sermon Review. Uh, I'm Dave Keene, pastor of Park Baptist Church, here with Victor Rodriguez. Rodriguez. Victor <laughs> Rodriguez. Hello. Victor, how are you doing this fine Tuesday morning? I'm doing great. How about you? I'm doing wonderful. Um, so ha- how have you enjoyed preaching through Roman so far? Um, I think I started Roman with great expectation, um, considering, uh, I don't remember who said it, but someone said Romans being the like the Mount Everest of the New Testament or the entire Bible. Yeah. I, I don't remember, but I've been very uh, intrigued very, with a lot of expectation, and so far it's been great. I think it's doing a, a great work in, in my own life and, and in the congregation. I feel the same way. I feel like it, as in terms of preaching it, it feels like I have really grown uh, in my own sanctification process, just you know, studying and meditating on, on the book of Romans. How have you seen the Romans thus far impact our congregation? I think there is a level of uh, hunger uh, of the Word of God that is um, growing. Um, that has been very uh, explicit in the way that people are uh, being more consistent to church, more consistent to Sunday school, more consistent to um, engaging in fellowship to one another. Uh, I, I think I've been able to see that uh, in the last couple of months. Um, also, in the way that is impacting uh, people, like individuals. I already had a uh, few conversations on people telling me uh, I never understood the gospel this way. I never um, understood that this is how sinful we are. I, I never understood that this is what, now it's making sense, in other in other words. Now it's making sense what God accomplished for us. So I, I've had those conversations already, and, and it's super encouraging. Yeah, praise God. I mean, I, I think as well, and I think, you know, we've had some great conversations even in my own house, just th- how, how does, how do we apply the principle of being justified by faith, right? You know, we, we know it clearly from the scriptures that we're justified by faith alone, but are we living that? Right. Mm-hmm. And I think this has been a great meditation for us as a, as a church family. How can we live that we're justified by faith, faith alone? Um, so obviously we're, we're going through Romans. Romans chapter 3, uh, Paul lays out some implications of, uh, of justification by faith, that great paragraph, Romans 3, 21 through 26. Uh, and then we talked about this idea of because uh, we have justification by faith, there is no more boasting. Right? Boasting is excluded. The God is the God of both the Jews and the Gentiles. And after making some implications, then he provides some uh, an illustration with Abraham. Okay, so Abraham, and then um, he'll give uh, talk mentions David briefly, but mostly it's Abraham. So just gonna maybe walk through our, the, the the sermon on Sunday, and maybe mm-hmm. kind of talk through the text. Um, first, the question is, what was gained by Abraham uh, according to our uh, our uh, our forefather according to the flesh? Uh, when you think about the mind of a Jewish person when they would have been hearing, right, maybe a Jewish believer who had been told forever, you're special because you're a child of Abraham. You're a child of Abraham, a child of Abraham. Uh, you're, you're one of God's special people. And then all of a sudden, Paul says, "All you're all sinners, and you, everyone comes to faith the same way, through faith in Jesus Christ. What was probably going through their minds when they were thinking that? I mean, I, I think you expressed that very well in the sense of that uh, short analogy of, of the 25-year-old person that all of a sudden their parents tell him okay you are you're adopted uh it's like okay i've been living a lie the entire life or or is it that um i'm not understanding uh what's going on um i think that it has to be very very hard 
um, to be a Jew and to have a certain mentality and and, a, and certain convictions and all of a sudden that goes down because that's not what it is and you have something else. Um, I think that is, I don't know if you want to jump and, and bring it uh, to, to today, but when people have a specific conviction and, and they have some traditions in, in their own uh, religious uh, life, sometimes for those people it's even harder to, to receive the gospel. Like yeah. sometimes when I'm discipling someone that has no experience with religion, um, it's easier for them to embrace what the Bible is teaching. Um, on, other, on the other side, people that have already some convictions, it's really hard for them to unlearn what they learned in the past in order to receive what the gospel is saying. I, I think they had to experience something similar like that. Yeah. Uh, just dropping their own understanding of, of the law, of their experience, their own um, certainty that they're good based on their heritage. And now they're hearing, no, it's not because we are descendants of Abraham in, in the, in the, with blood and, and the flesh. It's because of the faith of Abraham, faith in Jesus Christ. When you think about maybe your own background, right? I maybe maybe think about that a little bit. Raised in a Catholic home, you know, and have lots of family members who are still practicing Catholics. You know, I had that in my in my in my background as well. Um, you know, not raised Catholic, but family, you know, who have who, who are still practicing Catholicism. Do you see some of this? How, how maybe like is it hard? Like you said, even for yourself, sometimes this idea of like these things are ingrained with in, in with you when you were a kid, and just people who are maybe raised in that way, mm -hmm. you have to do these things, and then you know. Do you find yourself it's easy to fall back in that or maybe help hard for others to understand the free grace of the gospel? Absolutely. It's a, it's a constant challenge it, because it's in, in a lot of terms, we're using the same terminology. We're using the same uh, names, the, the Bible, uh, God, Jesus, the cross. There's a lot of terms that are very, uh, that is the same in the way of, of just um, communicating but it means something totally different. Yeah. So I think all of us have a, a little bit of that. I think I, I see it in my own life, the way that um, I go back on, on the things that I need to do in order to get, uh, I mean, feel better or get some kind of approval or think that God will give me some extra favor. Those kind of things are, are always following following me and, and following every person that is um, that had a, a, at some point that those kind of convictions. Yeah, you know, I, I find this often when people experience trials and you're trying to comfort them, and obviously they're just trying to, to deal with their own grief, but when grief or trials or suffering happens, the reality of what's in the heart tends to pop up. And I hear that I've been a good person, I've been faithful to church, I've done these things, why did this happen? And I think in that mentality, you're 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 thinking that I'm I'm I've been doing the works of the law, so why isn't God not doing this to me? Right? Mm -hmm. there's, there's part of that kind of going through the probably the Jewish believer's mind. Well, what then? It's what's the big deal? Why did I do all this stuff? Why give? Why come to church? Why do all these mm -hmm. things if the things that I desire most aren't happening or are not going to be a benefit to me? Mm -hmm. The second thing I you know the question is um, what was gained by Abraham, right? or given to Abraham would be another way of saying it, uh, two through four. For if Abraham 
was justified by works, he has something to boast about, but not before God. For what does the scripture say? Is Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness. That to the one who works, his wages are not counted as a gift, but as due. And to the one who does not work, but believes in him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is counted as, as righteousness. Uh, any, any thoughts there, this idea of Abraham believed God and is counted as righteousness? Yes, I, I think it's a great way to just connect the Old Testament and the New Testament. Sometimes we think that it's a different uh, different movie or different, <laughs> yeah. uh, different thing. Like the Old Testament, Abraham, yes, Jesus came in the New Testament. We have a, a, a different uh, opportunity in Christ. It's in Christ now. Abraham had to do certain stuff in order to... Um, to be the father of, of faith and, and, and have all the attributes that, that the Bible described that he had. But I think it's, 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 a, it's a great way for us to remember that first Abraham, um, he was not, I mean, he was a, a Gentile. He was not yeah, yeah. A, a following God. He was following other gods. Yeah. Um, and, and he was uncircumcised. He was not circumcised when when he believed, I, I think um, the way that Paul connects Abraham to Jews and Gentiles is just uh, amazing. Yeah. So it, it gives a lot of hope uh, to us um, and a great way to, to completely fix our eyes on, on Jesus. Yeah. yeah, I love that, um, you know, there's a connection. There are two things I'd say. One is uh, to the one who, uh, who works his wages are not counted as his gift but as his due. So anytime we feel that we are entitled to something, that is our due by what we do, that's a work-stress mentality, right? I just think that that's just, this is a, as a point, I think it happens more often than we realize. Mm-hmm. Uh, and But then he says this, and I, mean, I think I may want to clarify something I said on Sunday. It says, to the one who does not work but believes in him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is counted as righteousness. So that's us, right? So if we believe that we are not justified by what we do, by our works, but we believe in God who justifies the ungodly, then we have righteousness we have been given righteousness and again like those of us who are who are outside of christ we are ungodly we're with, we are without god and this is what i was trying to draw on even in, in, in the idea of we're all sinners we have fallen short of the glory of god we have lost our our uh connection with god right so we are ungodly we are without god um you know i would say this just as, a, as maybe as a point of clarification when you become a christian you are sanctified right you are no longer living in sin you're no longer maybe characterized by ungodly behavior um, you are still a sinner, right? You still sin, but you're no longer characterized by your sin because you are living a life of holiness. So I think I, even I was, you know, maybe you want to speak to this a little bit. I was thinking in, in, my, in my sermon notes, I said, we are ungodly and are justified, right? Really kind of pulling from Romans chapter 3, right? Verse 23 and 24, we, are, we all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God and are justified, right? There's that two duality of our, of our Christian walk. But I don't want to miss... Um, if people misunderstand me that you know that we're still ungodly right you know in terms of living in ungodliness mm-hmm. right so we're still tainted by sin but we're not living in ungodliness right so i think it probably could have been clear on that point would you really want to clarify that or yeah and maybe maybe i will try to clarify asking you back a question um because yes i think paul is is specifically talking about justification He's talking about the implications of justification that he just presented in, in the previous chapter at the end, verses 21 to 26. Yep. And, and yes, once we are saved, there is a, a sanctification process that starts for, for every believer. Like, 
God has separated us for himself. Um, I think at the moment of, of justification, and maybe this is the question, at the moment of justification, we we come to, to have a, a new owner, a new, yeah. uh, I mean, we were slave to sin, now we are slave to yeah. Christ. Amen. And, and that is exactly the, the transaction that happened at, at justification. But at that moment, we probably are not fully uh, displaying sure. the, the godliness because there's so, I mean, depending on, on the person, there's been so many years of sure. living an ungodly life. There's so many bad matters uh, that, that still, uh, with others still sinning that person. Like that process of starting to live for Christ because he is Lord and not sin anymore. Like if you can explain a little bit more, how can, how, how, how long it takes? Sure. Like, how does that happen? Yeah. Like, well, I think you know, even in this, in this context, what Paul is talking about, Paul is not talking about sanctification here. Like you're right. He's talking about justification, right? God through Jesus, through faith in Jesus Christ, justifies the ungodly. People who have lawless deeds, who are who have multiple sins, um, and when you put your faith in Christ, you do nothing but believe, and Jesus gives you His righteousness. It is counted to you as as righteous. So, I think it's part of the, the challenge of preaching, right? You know this, is that I want to teach the text, and I don't want to. I, I think if Paul is teaching on justification, I want to rest on justification. We are ungodly, and we have been made sinners, or we have been made made saints, uh, justified by His by His grace. Uh, so I want to emphasize that. Now, for sanctification, you know, sanctification is a long process. Right? We are declared positionally as justified, as forgiven, as holy. We are positionally holy before God because God looks at us through the, through the shed blood of Jesus. Mm-hmm. And yet, we are having to go on this journey of progressive sanctification, meaning that we have to become more and more like the Lord. That takes the rest of our lives. So if the Lord exposes sin in our lives... You know, for example, you know, on I might I say something to someone, and I realize, oh wow, by saying what I said, I'm actually sinning against that person, right? I was being sarcastic. I was meant to put them down. Well, the Lord reveals that to me. I repent of that. I confess my sin to that person. Ask for forgiveness. Then I I try to guard my tongue, right? I try to be less sarcastic. Uh, or even lately in my own life, I've been uh, seeing grumbling, and I'm like, okay, like, and. I've been trying to fight and hearing every complaint, right? I do not want to be a complainer. So I'm trying to, to guard everything. So the Lord is continuing to, to, to reveal things to me and then try to, to turn from those things. But it's a lifelong process, right? I think that when you first come become a Christian, there might be big changes, right? You might be living one way. There might be drastic changes. But as you grow in your Christian walk, there's just, there should be a continual pursuit of the Lord and to, to, to dig out the, the root sins of the heart. Your, your pride, your, um, you know, your idolatry, your idols. Um, so for you, maybe how, how is, how's your sanctification going? <laughs> how's your growth happening? Yeah, it's, 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 it's happening a <laughs> little by little. Um, th- this part of, of, I think in, in the translation, maybe, um, the word for ungodly that is in, in, in my translation is impio, uh, a person that is impio or ungodly. Um, and, and I think the a person that has been justified by the blood of Christ is no longer impio, is no longer ungodly. Uh, 
but the part that is hard to understand is that because of our flesh, because of our sin, the remnant of our sin, sure. there, we still do ungodly things. So, and, and maybe we're not, I mean, when the justification happened, we're talking to the believer. We're not referring to the believer as an ungodly person, but the behavior that sometimes manifests will be ungodly. And that's where, where the confusion yeah. gets. Like, yeah. don't call me ungodly because I'm justified. Sure, but sure. yes, there is some ungodly. I think that's, that's, that's what I was trying to get at. I, got, well, I was actually thinking about debating, changing it even before the sermon. And decided on keeping them in there to focus on the justification aspect. But you're right. Like, we are declared saints. We are holy. And yet, we sometimes do ungodly things. Mm-hmm. Right? So the remnant of sin is still there. But by, by definition, how God views us is no longer as ungodly or as someone who, who's without God. Because we have Christ, we have his righteousness. And therefore, we are declared mm-hmm. godly. So. Which, in a, in a way, being entitled, being uh, expecting God to do something because of your... Uh, works that will be an ungodly uh, character, an ungodly way uh, to respond to ju- the justification that is received only by faith. Yeah, you know, sometimes preaching's hard, right, Victor? Like you have to be precise. Complicated. <laughs> you have yes. to be precise in so many things. Well, I love the transition he talks about with David. Just make this one point. He says, "Blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven, whose sins are covered." I love that idea. Just that that he just says it in plural, right? There we have all all sorts of sins and. You know, those of us who may be discouraged because of there is still sin in our life. If you are in Christ, all your sins, past, present, and future, right? If you're trusting in the blood of Christ, you are fully forgiven. You are blessed. And I think that, you know, sometimes we forget how blessed we are. I think I was trying to maybe draw out even compl- complaining or grumbling um, in, in, in I've, that I've seen in others and in my own heart. I think when we do that, we forget that we have been covered by the blood of the Lamb, right? Uh, even... Coming back from our cross conference, a lot of our young people who went there were thinking often about um, blessed is the one who's persecuted, right? Um, because their, their their names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life, right? So there's this there's, there's great picture of um, of suffering. We're able to suffer and endure persecution because we understand that we are blessed, mm-hmm. that our sins have been covered, and that our lawless deeds have been forgiven. So so we should live with joy regardless of the circumstances. Amen. Um, in the, in that specifically, the, the way that Paul uses um, David, I, I think is a reference to Psalm 32, yeah. right? Um, so I, I think it will be, not to talk it right now, but maybe uh, an encouragement to all, all the listeners to to go deeper on, on what was going on on Psalm 32 and why um, David wrote that. Because now Paul is using it to to connected to us as well and the work of Christ. So I think that will be another uh, a, a way to just further yeah. uh, go deeper in, in the study of, of that uh, passage. Well, yeah, I think this is just maybe encouragement to all of us is that when we confess sins, um, you know, David says in Psalm 32 that the, the weight is lifted, right? It feels like your bones are crushed and you confess your sins. And think about this. David confessed his sins, and because David confessed his sins, that confession is still bearing fruit today. Mm-hmm. People are encouraged to follow Jesus today because someone was bold enough to confess their sins and trust in Jesus Mm -hmm. and the blood then to now. Um, This last one I thought was a little interesting, right, was who belongs to Christ, right? Who are those who have been, you know, grafted in uh, to Abraham? And obviously the the picture is very clear. It's those who are both uh, Jews and Gentiles, those who have been circumcised and those who have been uncircumcised. 
And I think in verses 11 to I just want to draw this out a little bit. He says, Abraham received the sign of circumcision as a seal of the righteousness that he had by faith while he was still uncircumcised. The purpose was to make him the father of all who believe without being circumcised. So the righteousness would be counted to them as well. Okay, so everyone who believes without being circumcised, so all Gentiles who put their faith in Christ, are, are counted as righteous. And the second group, to make him the father of the circumcised, and I love how he says this, who are not merely circumcised, but who also walk in the footsteps of the faith that our father Abraham had before he was circumcised. This is the idea of just, um, we see that circumcision is a sign of the covenant, right, in the Old Testament, as baptism is a sign of, of the covenant in the new, and yet the people of God in the old and the people of God in the new are different, right? Uh, people of God in the old were identified as their nationality, their ethnic, and their obedience, um, where the New Testament is defined by faith, right? Um, so how is this idea that, um, that Paul is trying to draw out that the circumcised and the uncircumcised are both justified by faith, right? That we have one father in Abraham, that it, because God gave circumcision to, 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 to Abraham after he was uh, counted as righteous, I mean, just speak to it, brother. I mean, the the context here on the church in, in Rome, I mean, a mix of Gentiles, a mix of Jews, um, I think there has to be a, a lot of uh, pride coming from the Jews uh, group within the congregation that Paul is addressing this. I mean, even going back to chapter 2, like, no, you too are going to face judgment uh, because you too do the same things. Um, I think there was a, a sense of uh, a pride and, and, and connection to their heritage as we are good with God because of this. Yeah. Um, I think there was also a sense of, of um, superiority. Yeah. Like we are in Christ, we're part of the church, but you guys are Gentiles. I'm a, in another level of, 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 of a Christian. I think um, Paul is saying, no, you are saved because... You're Jew, but you're saved because you have faith in Christ. Gentiles, you're saved because you're faith in Christ. You're both the same. You're both are saved because of the same object of our faith, uh, the work of our Lord Jesus Christ. So I, I think this is a, a great way of Paul um, making sure that there is no two different ways of God saving people. It's not a specific yeah. plan of salvation for a certain group and a different plan for a certain other group. Um, no, it's one plan of salvation. There is one way, there is one truth, and, and there is one life is, is the Lord Jesus Christ. So I think that's what he's uh, trying to explain here. Yeah, very, very, very good. And I think that this idea of, you know, of course, I run into lots of people who are, um, they're in Presbyterian churches, right? And they're, they're kind of convinced that the baptism in the New Testament is like circumcision in the Old Testament, right? Um, but I just want to kind of maybe push back a little bit based on this verse, because in verse 12, he says that he's the father of those who are circumcised, who are not merely circumcised, mm -hmm. right? So even then, the remnant, the, the Israel of the Old Testament, what the church is, is the church is not a, as a continuation from Israel of the old, but true Israel. I think I quoted Piper in the sermon as true Israel, mm -hmm. those who had faith in the coming of the Messiah. It's the remnant, right? Mm -hmm as it was in the old, as is in the new. A true Israel, those who are both Jew and Gentile, who have been grafted in through the blood of the Lamb, are the people of God today, right? So I thought that idea of being true Israel has always been really helpful uh, for me. 
Amen. Is there any comment so you would say in terms of any applications you would want to make to our congregation? Hey, after hearing this sermon, after listening to this text, here's maybe one thing I'd want to point out or drop in uh, to have them think more about. Yes, I, I think we, we still need, uh, going back to, I think, what you said in, in a previous sermon of, of dealing with that uh, Pharisee, we're all recovering Pharisees. Um, there is always something in us, in, in our sin, in that ungodly remnant that's still in us that, that wants to, to, to accomplish something uh, through the works that we can do. So I think that is, is something to, to keep in mind, um, the way that we react when something is not going my way. When someone is, um, uh, doesn't do what I want them to do, how am I, I reacting? When someone is um, uh, questioning the way that I'm doing something, like do I respond with um, like bitterness inside of me? Like wh- who do you think you are questioning me? Yeah. Um, those kind of, of question and, and reaction that we have, maybe it's not a, an external way of, of, of expressing or displaying the, the legalism in us or the Pharisee within us, but it's a way of, of saying there is a root of that in the way that I'm reacting, the way that I'm thinking, and, and the way that my heart is receiving some kind of uh, interactions with people in the body, with family members, with other people uh, in general. So I think this is a, a great verse to keep going deep and in prayer uh, before the Lord, trying to ask the Lord, uh, help me to see those areas where there's still some kind of, of root of, of that Pharisee that I'm still trying to, to get behind. Yeah, I would just kind of add there. I mean, I think one of the great thing about this passage is that it allows us to look at maybe ungodly behavior or tendencies of our own heart to expose them, to see them, yet not be undone by them, to be able to, to rest the fact that we have righteousness. We have been declared righteous by what we believe. So we don't have to earn our salvation. You know, when we see ungodliness in us, we don't have to say, oh, woe is me. God doesn't love me. God's not going to... You know, save me. Well, no, it's not about your works. So I think that when you understand justification by faith, when you understand that you you have been counted, you've been given righteousness um, because of faith, well, that gives you freedom to actually deal with your sin and not to hide from it, to be able to confess it, because we're not resting in our ability to keep the law. We're resting in, in the finished work of Christ. Um, so I would just echo an amen and amen to that. So, And one last, one last thing, I think this is another uh, calling for all of us to just get deeper in the Word. I mean, the way that Paul is connecting the entire Scriptures, I think you, you made a reference to this uh, a few times, and now, once again, Paul is referring to Scripture yeah. to, to validate uh, justification uh, by faith. I think this is a, a call to all of us to, okay, let's, let's, let's go deeper into into knowing the, the the narrative, the entire narrative of, of scriptures. So it's important to stay hitched to the Old Testament. Completely. Okay. Wonderful. Um, well, let me uh, let me uh, pray for us uh, and those listening. Father, we thank you for your word. We pray that we would live um, lives that are righteous by faith. Or we pray that we would understand what it fully means that we have been justified, declared, counted righteous uh, because of the faith in Lord Jesus. Lord, we pray that you would just uh, give us joy that we belong to you and help us live our lives in light of it.
We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.